morning and welcome to the International Church of Vilnius. I uh, want to extend a warm welcome to our guests this morning. Very happy to have my personal favorite organist uh, back this week. We've missed her the last two weeks in Riga, Asta. Thank you for being here. It's good to see you. Our first hymn this morning is hymn number 350, Jesus, What a Friend for Sinners. So if you'd stand and sing, please, hymn 350.
Jesus, what a friend for sinners. This line in the second verse, let me hide myself in him, tempted, tried, and sometimes failing. He my strength, my victory wins. That's what we celebrate today, every Sunday, but especially today with the Eucharist, which gives us the freedom to admit our sins to each other and to God. Our Lord Jesus said, the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's none other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Lord, have mercy upon us and write all these your laws in our hearts. We beseech thee. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbor in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. May the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins and restore us in his image to the praise and glory of his name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed is the Lord, for he has heard the voice of our prayer. Therefore shall our hearts dance for joy, and in our song we will praise our God. Our responsive reading this morning comes from Psalm 22, verses 1 through 5. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Our second hymn this morning is number 10, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise, hymn 10.
for the reading. The first of our readings is taken from the book of Job. Answer me then if you can. Stand up and argue your case before me. I am the same as you in God's sight. I too am a piece of clay. No fear of me should alarm you, nor should my hand be heavy on you. But you have said in my hearing, I heard the very words, I am pure, I have done no wrong. I am clean and free from sin. Yet God has found fault with me. He considers me his enemy. He fastens my feet in shackles. He keeps close watch on all my paths. But I tell you, in this you're not right, for God is greater than any mortal. Why do you complain to him that he responds to no one's words? For God does speak, now one way, now another, though no one perceives it, in a dream, in a vision of the night when deep sleep falls on the people as they slumber in their beds. He may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings to turn them from wrongdoing and keep them from pride, to preserve them from the pit, their lives from perishing by the sword. Or someone may be chastened, on a bed of pain with constant distress in their bones so that their body finds food repulsive and their soul loathes the choicest meal. Their flesh wastes away to nothing and their bones once hidden now stick out. They draw near to the pit and their life to the messengers of death. Yet, if there is an angel at their side, a messenger, One out of a thousand, sent to tell them how to be upright. And he is so gracious to that person and says to God, Spare them from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom for them. Let their flesh be renewed like a child's. Let them be restored as in the days of their youth. Then that person can pray to God and find favour with him. They will see God's face and shout for joy. He will restore them to full well-being. And they will go to others and say, I've sinned. I have perverted what is right, but I did not get what I deserved. God has delivered me from going down to the pit, and I shall live to enjoy the light of life. God does all these things to a person, twice, even three times, to turn them back from the pit that the light of life may shine on them. Pay attention, Job, and listen to me. Be silent and I will speak. If you have anything to say, answer me. Speak up, for I want to vindicate you. But if not, then listen to me. Be silent and I will teach you wisdom. This is the word of the Lord. And the sermon reading of Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. 
Blessed is the one whose sins the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ron. There's a lot of text in the Bible that gives the story of how people respond to their own sin, how they respond to God. Their conversations like this passage in Job, how they interact with other people when they experience hardship, when it might be easy to think that God is against them. How should one respond? This morning in Psalm 32, David gives us a couple things to think about, specifically about our sin. And those three things are this. He talks about the power of gratitude, the destruction of secrecy, and the safety of confession. Again, the power of gratitude, the destruction of secrecy, and the safety of confession. First one says, blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven, whose sins are covered, whose sin the Lord does not count against him or her. It's easy to see forgiveness as getting off the hook, as something that's personally gained by this. You, you did something wrong and it may have benefited you in some ways, but you didn't have to pay the price. But that's, a, that's not the correct way of looking at things. Forgiveness is, is freedom. It's reconciliation. It's the opportunity to restore the relational aspect between you and God, between the, the person who is sinful and God, whose sin the Lord does not count against him or her. It's not a license to sin. And by that I mean, well, if I know that I'm not going to get caught, then I can do whatever I want and have the freedom to do so. The 
Let's look at it. I, I would like us to look at it this way, or to at least consider it this way. You, you take an acrobat, an acrobat who is highly skilled in, in the trapeze, as you could say, and flipping and flying. When an acrobat has a net, it doesn't give the acrobat this idea to fall. Rather, it takes away the fear from falling. It gives the acrobat confidence to where they're not thinking, what if I mess up? What if I mess up? I may die. I may fall to my death if I mess up. It removes the fear of judgment. It removes the fear of death in order that they might be a better acrobat, in order that they might live according to us in terms of what we're, we're using for ourselves, not in terms of being an acrobat, but in terms of being a Christian, forgiveness gives us the net to live in a way that does not focus on messing up, but rather focusing on what we can do out of gratitude. When God removes our sin through the gospel, It should fill us with gratitude. It should fill us with a thankfulness for what he's done to where we're no longer focusing on what we've done incorrectly, but how we might live in a way that honors him. The power of gratitude. But he, David, speaking from personal experience, he goes on and he says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. The destruction of secrecy. Day and night, your hand was upon me. My strength was sapped. When we keep silent about our sin, this plays into the strategy of evil. Evil, the evil one, wants us to think and to focus on our guilt. There's no freedom, the devil says. If you tell, someone will find out and judge you. It will be public knowledge that if you did something wrong that you should rightly receive the punishment. Hide it. Hide it. Never tell. Sit on it. So many stories in the Bible of people physically sitting on things that they've stolen, hiding it from people that come and check. So we too, with our sins, sometimes feel the natural impulse to survive by hiding our sin. David says here that there's great destruction and secrecy. Day and night your hand is upon me. It's not just our guilt. It's not just the influence of the evil one, but it's actually also painful to receive the prompting from God. Our strength is sapped, which means that we're not able to function in the full capacity that we were meant to. So we're focused on what we've done wrong. We're scared. We're stressed out. And the thing is about God's hand, which he says was upon him, it feels like oppression. But really it's the calling to regain your strength. It's a calling to come out of the secrecy to uncover the wound that has happened and to apply the medicine and the healing that is best for it. 
But something happens in David's mind. He sees God's hand upon him, and he doesn't say, oh, why is God against me, like Job in our previous reading? But it pushes him to do something else. It says that he acknowledged his sin. We've been talking several weeks about God's discipline for the believer, how it often feels painful, how it often feels revealing, exposing. But it's meant to lead us to redemption. David sees this. Verse 5, I acknowledge my sin to you. He's speaking to God. I didn't cover it up. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave Anything that we've done wrong, that we hide, cannot be enjoyed, no matter how sweet it seems to be. If we have to hide it, we ultimately can't take joy in it. We have to keep it secret. But when we confess our transgressions or our sins to God, it says, David says, you forgave. Might even be a, a sense of surprise. The context of this story is Nathan, David's friend, comes to him and exposes his sin in a very painful way. It's difficult for Nathan. He does it kind of indirectly to where he gets David to admit it. But we see that this, this interaction brings them together. He says, and you forgave. In other words, God responded faithfully. God is consistently faithful to you. So much in the New Testament is mentioned about our faith, but also the faith of Jesus to us. Which is why David confesses. He sees God's faithfulness to him, and it leads him to give up this thing which he's held, these sins that he has tried to hide because he saw that to live in secrecy is destructive. Lastly, the safety of confession. It leads him to say, therefore, let anyone, he's, he's telling us what he's learned. He's, he's writing this as a lesson, perhaps to be read. Therefore, let anyone who was godly pray to you while you may still be found. He sensed his own gratitude, knowing that he could have been judged if he hadn't confessed. He says, when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him or her. The mighty waters that have risen in other stories in the Old Testament are the judgment, the justice of the flood. The flood that comes to wipe the, the evil people off the earth in God's anger. But when that judgment happens, when the mighty waters rise, he says the waters don't reach the ones who've confessed, those who pray to God while time can be found. And then he says, breaks into song, you are my hiding place, protection from trouble. Surround me with songs of deliverance. Our confession surprisingly, doesn't lead to our guilt in this scenario. In our relationship with God, our confession leads to blessing. It leads to freedom. 
It leads to a release from that which our sins have caused in our life. It's a protection from trouble. He says it's a surround, it surrounds me with songs of deliverance. The safety of confession. I think about the safety of confession not just in terms of our relationship with God, but our relationship to each other. Like David and Nathan, when we confess, when we don't hold on to our secret sins and try to hide them and even try to indulge in them and keep them a secret, but when we divulge them to each other, when we confess, we can start to forgive. You see, if, if we hold on to our sins and try to hide them, then we'll be very, very quick to defend ourselves, even when we're wrong. And when we do that, at least for me, it causes me to be very judgmental. It causes me to judge others in defense of my own guilt, if that makes sense. When we confess, we start to forgive each other. When we are so mindful of how much we have been forgiven by God, it allows us to give that same forgiveness and grace and mercy to other people. Some people see gratitude as weakness. Some see secrecy as power. And some see confession as dangerous. But not in the gospel. If we feel guilty, we will often make other people feel guilty too. The reason why the gospel should lead us to gratitude is because we don't deserve it. And it's not just a forgiveness of the past, but of the future. It's a safety net for us to live in a way that could be perceived as dangerous, to where we give things away, where we treat people who don't treat us kindly. We treat them well with love and compassion. But there's a destruction in secrecy. When we hold it in, when we hold what ought to be exposed to the light, when we keep it in darkness, it festers like a wound that doesn't get dressed. And there's great safety in confession. In the crime movies, the people who confess often get sentenced, the full sentence that they deserve. But in terms of the gospel, there's a great safety. It protects us from judgment. And that protection from judgment allows us to, to heal the wounds of others. When we apply the grace of God to our own sin, it allows us to see people who we should judge or may feel tendencies to judge. It gives us a great compassion for them. There's great safety in confession. Very, very practical words here for David. Someone, I'll remind you, was a great sinner. The passage in Job, two times, even three. How many times will this happen in your life? There's no way to know. Trust the grace of God. Let the gratitude of what you've received from Him through Christ compel you to live in a way without fear.
Allow it to expose your secrets to God and maybe to a trusted friend or maybe to someone that you've wronged. And trust that in that confession, that person may not respond appropriately, but God will respond to you faithfully and consistently, applying his mercy through what he has done through Christ to you forever. It's a great encouragement, especially among some of us who sin quite a bit, which I feel I'm being more and more reminded and made aware of things that cause me to fail. That's what this table is, as we'll take it at the later part of our service. This table is coming together with Christ because of what he's done, because of his blood, because of his body that was shed for you. He comes to us and says, sit at my table. Open the gate to the inner parts of the temple and enter. A great work has been done, and I look forward to celebrating that with you. Would you stand with me, please, as we recite the Apostles' Creed? <clears throat> Together, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for that great work that you did in Christ and that great work that Christ is doing today at your right hand, reminding you of the grace that you've offered us. I thank you for that mercy. And we pray that that would give us a great gratitude, that we would be so mindful and aware of what you've done that we would be free to live in a way that's reflected, reflecting your life, your compassion, your empathy for the world and for the people in it. God, I pray that you would give us that gratitude, that you would give us the, the fortitude to reveal our secrets to those who we've wronged, and especially to you, that we would be able to freely confess. God, we pray that, that you would continue to work in our lives, and that we would see our confession as a safety net and a way to be free from our sins. God, grant us that perspective, we pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we pray for our, our friends, 
Ron and Yana, who are leaving uh, tomorrow, and the Friedrichs, who left yesterday, or actually this morning, on their flight to Edinburgh. God, we pray for mercy that you would give them comfort, that you would make them feel secure, that you would have them think back on times in Vilnius and remember that there's those who love them and care for them and pray for them. I pray, God, that you would bless them as they leave, that you would reveal the paths that you would have before them, and that they would always know that your love and your grace is offered freely and consistently. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And lastly, Lord, we pray for this world amongst viruses, amongst sickness, uncertainty, economic downfall, a loss of hope. In the midst of mental illness and a great fear and the motivation to be secret, to hide hide one's flaws out of judgment, fear of condemnation, God. We pray that your spirit would move, it would open the dark places, the, the deep recesses of our hearts that contain all the things that we are afraid of, and we pray that light would shine, not just in Vilnius and Lithuania, but worldwide in places of great misery. God, we pray that you would return and that you would make things right. We look forward to that day that you come, put your hand on our shoulder and say, welcome to the kingdom. We pray for that day. And we pray that while there's still time, that those in this world would confess through our promptings and through our love and example. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Father, you've given us this wonderful opportunity to come to the table that you've prepared in Christ. I pray that each and every one of us would feel that great offer, that great pull towards your table, which represents peace and celebration and feasting and joy. God, I pray that as we come to take this bread and wine, that we would be ever mindful of our sin, knowing that you have taken those sins out of the secrets of our hearts and you've nailed them to the cross, exposing them to light, exposing them to their own death and erasing them forever. God, we praise you for that. We praise you for what you've done. Fill our hearts with gratitude as we come forward now. And let's close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. The kingdom, power, glory are yours now forever. Amen. As you come forward, we'll be taking the communion uh, by, by dipping out of, out of awareness for the, the COVID crisis. Let me first say that this is a table for believers. It's a table for faith. It's a table for those who put their trust in Christ. I encourage you that if, if you have not taken that step of faith to not participate, if you are a believer, if you feel there's any reason why you shouldn't take this cup, I encourage you not to, and that's okay too. But know this, if it's sin that's keeping you from this table, know that it's been taken care of through Christ, if you are of faith. So I, I encourage you, as I will, take a moment to confess and to know that you have been redeemed in Christ. And after that acknowledgement, I pray that you would come up boldly with joy knowing what has been done for you. So let's take a few moments to prepare our hearts and then you'll be free to come up and to receive the elements. On the night of the Passover, when Jesus was betrayed, he asked his disciples to come to a table that represented a new covenant. The blood that, that was going to be spilled from Jesus that was represented by the wine. And he said that as often as you drink of this, this wine, do this in remembrance of me. Before that, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you on the cross through my death. As often as you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. This table that we have that represents that, that evening is ready and prepared. So if you are ready, please come and partake.
Amen. Please stand and sing our last hymn this morning. Hymn number 243. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen. 
Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.